What's up everyone and welcome to episode 136 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. I uh, hope everyone's well. Um, I'm currently with child after uh, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful food baby um, after I had a huge curry. Um, so yeah, feeling a little bit uncomfortable recording this, but thought I'd get it done on a Sunday night as I've got a bit of cha- uh, bit of time to chill for a change and it's going to be a bit of a busy week ahead for me so getting this out there um, this will be the last podcast for a week or so because I'm off on tour with uh, Punch On and Overo so there won't be an episode next week so yeah just a heads up um, yeah as I say doing this on a Sunday you might be able to hear the NFL in the background, as per usual, on my Sunday little routines. Um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Um, before we kind of get into into things, got a bit of an announcement to make, actually. Um, I've launched a magazine. It's called An Insight. Very original title. Um, it's essentially an extension of this, so don't worry. The podcast isn't going anywhere still going to be doing that but um it gives me more scope to cover more bands and sort of do something a bit different like i'm really sorry my throat is all over the shop um my my passion and love has been writing it always has been like since i was young and this is this podcast actually started off as a blog so it's just kind of going back to that doing something a bit different and yeah just kind of giving more bands, more airspace and more time, giving me less time, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm hoping to have the first issue out early December, so keep an eye out on all our social media because the two, as I say, will be very much linked together. Um, there will be a specific Facebook page for the magazine as well, which I'll put in the link of uh, link in the description of this week's episode. Um talking of uh facebook something kind of came up this week as well which i just wanted to kind of briefly touch upon um so for those who don't know i live in portsmouth um it's down on the south coast of the uk um recently well i thought it was common knowledge but recently a friend of mine put up a post about an absolute piece of shit being um abusive towards uh women which is something i had heard on the before and i thought that it was common knowledge and I thought this had kind of been dealt with but it's kind of creeped back up again um, and when the person in question was kind of confronted with it their reaction was to report said post and then block everyone involved rather than sort of dealing with it head on um, and I don't know like just personally I think that's quite the coward's way out like the the original post that was put up there was evidence and people's accounts of this person abusing them so like deal with that shit if in my opinion like you still may not come out looking like roses but you're looking a lot better than hiding away um so yeah i don't know i just thought i wanted to bring that to people's attention because people in the uk may or may not know this person um and i just want that to be spread out and from my understanding the uh, my friend who put the original post up uh they were wary because this person was now appearing on dating sites again so 
uh, yeah, just be wary and keep safe, kids. Thumbs up. Um, I'm going to stop rambling because I'm talking crap. Um, and we're going to get into this week's guest who was an absolute delight to talk to. Um, this week I'm joined by, I told you I'd eat you vocalist Joey Ashworth. Um, during the chat, me and Joey discuss how their brother was kind of like their guiding hand in helping them discover music, uh, how they've become more confident as a vocalist throughout time and throughout the existence of I Told You I'd Eat You, um, and their journey of discovery as a person and, and sort of what it means to be non-binary and coming out as non-binary and how they dealt with that as well. So yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Joey, and I'll see you on the other side. Cool. Uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is vocalist for I Told You I'd Eat You, uh, Joey Ashworth. Joey, thank you very much for taking some time out of your Saturday evening to to have a chat with me. How's everything in your world? It's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for having me. Don't worry, I, I don't have a lot on. I'm, I'm not a busy person, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 it's all good here. It's cold as hell. Oh, in, uh, tell me about it. Right now, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, heating's on, so, you know, could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say you're not that busy, but you're only a few weeks away from quite a special evening for for your band. Obviously, yeah, for real. a year celebration of Odearism. So, I guess, taking that as kind of a starting point, like, how does it feel kind of like a year removed from that? Do you, Are you still kind of like as in love with the record? Does it kind of feel weird, yeah. like to look back at it retrospectively how are you kind of sitting with that record now yeah it's interesting really i mean i've always been sort of like the like kind of person to sort of focus on the next thing coming you know mm. like i've always wanted to sort of uh not get bogged down and like listening to old stuff and things like that yeah but obviously you can't help it you know? <laughs> yeah yeah you can't like you have it with anything i'm sure like you can't you can't not second guess yourself. So yeah, there's, there's there's bits I would probably do a little differently, but I try and be, you know, when we put something out, I try and be happy that I'm putting out, even if it doesn't like in my head always feel like done because nothing does. Yeah. I try and enjoy that that version is what people will hear. If you know what I mean. Yeah. No. 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 So I get it's that. It's not even about making the final version of the song. It's just about making the the releasable. Well, as I kind of mentioned, obviously, the show is just an insight. I always take my guests back to their roots and their origins, so to say. So, how I kind of like to open this up is to ask, what was your kind of first exposure to alternative music? What kind of made you fall in love with that side of the world? Right. Well, um, my whole family is very into music, um, and so I was at like. I, I, my parents used to take me to like folk festivals and stuff okay. when I was little uh, like corporate festival I, I went to when I was very little but that wasn't particularly alternative that was you know you know that was folk music yeah yeah um also my dad was very into a, a lot of music but it was like classic stuff like the Beatles and the Beach Boys and stuff yeah. like that um so probably the first time I sort of got into you know like rock and roll <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> is uh with my older brother uh Tom uh, Tom Ashworth is, uh, ironically enough, a folk musician. Oh, okay. Uh, but he uh, and I used to be in a math rock band together when I was a lot younger. But um, yeah, when I was like probably 
young, like 12 or something, he made me a mixtape, like a mix CD, um, I think maybe for my birthday or something. Yeah. And it just had a bunch of great, great alt rock bangers at the time. Like, um, I'm Not Okay by My Chemical Romance was on there, Sugar We're Going Down by Fall Out Boy was yeah. on there, and stuff like that. Uh, and I think there was some Skindred on there okay. as well. And I got really into Skindred. I loved, I loved that record. <laughs> like the, I think it's the second one. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got mad into it. But basically, like I've said to my brother, like, oh, these are my favorite songs on the playlist. Cause there's System of a Down on there as well. Yeah. Um, and he like bought me just a couple of CDs. And I think the first one, yeah, it was a Skindred one. But then I remember he bought me From Under the Cool Tree by Fall Out Boy. Oh, nice. And that was kind of it. Like once I heard that, I was like. Well, this is my thing now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's quite funny you say Skinred because I've got like a weird sort of relationship with that band in terms yeah, of like yeah. they I don't know like because they've been going so long but like so I'm I live in Portsmouth like yeah, and yeah. like nothing happens here but they're the one band that still seems to come through this city and like just yeah. I don't know it's weird like they bring out a weird crowd and it's yeah, just I it's bet. just so strange. Yeah, because, like, yeah, I can't even begin to, like, work out the cross-section of people who are into that band. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> yeah. But like they really exist. Yeah. I mean, like, people go off for that band. Props to them as well. That's sick. Like, yeah, I mean, like, every now and then I'll stick on that, that record and I'll be like, oh, yeah, no, this slaps. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 I have to say, it's unusual that I say this about something I was into when I was younger, because normally it's just not true. I always love it. But with Skindred, I have kind of, I have a little distance from it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair enough. <laughs> I, I can hear the cracks a little more, I think. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but... So how, is, how much older is your brother? Um... God, he's gonna kill me if I get this wrong. Um, he's like ten years old. Oh, okay. So a fair sort of gap bet- yeah. between the two of you. Yeah, I think just under ten years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's gonna kill me. But um, yeah. So like, yeah, he was you know a grown up to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, fair enough. Yeah, he was definitely. Yeah, yeah, he 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 knew his shit to me. Yeah, no, the the um, reason the only reason I was because it's very similar to to myself. Like my older brother right. kind of put me onto sort of bands and stuff, but there's only a four four year age gap between me and him, so I wasn't sure if yeah, it was for real. similar kind of thing. But obviously, was he quite sort of already involved in music before you were kind of discovering? Oh, stuff for then? sure. As 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 early as I can remember, Tom was a songwriter. Like he was the songwriter yeah you know what I mean so even now like I don't think of myself as a songwriter in that sense as well because he could like pick up a guitar and just write something you know? yeah or like sit at a piano and just like make it sound good whereas like I'm much scrappier in the way I put stuff together <laughs> yeah. like I do you know I, I, I'm actually writing um, a solo record at the moment and so I'm doing most of the music myself um, and like so like I'm capable of it yeah but I just don't like I, I have to sit and really work on it you know yeah, what I mean yeah. I have to it's so much about how the production sounds and and like what I'm doing on paper before I can just like sit down and make something possible you know yeah so then going off from from Fallout Boy like what was your kind of discovery path in terms of kind of sure 
a bit more sort of akin to to the stuff you're playing now like where yeah, yeah. where where did you kind of veer off to i guess the best way of putting it sure yeah yeah i get you um so obviously i i, I fell hard for emo and pop punk so, right you know, i was on the absolute punk.net forums like oh, very yeah, yeah, yeah. very like early in my life like i think i was one of the younger people on those forums um and um yeah, like, so I obviously got into, like, Motion City Soundtrack were a big one for me. Jack's Mannequin were a big one for me. And then I think probably what I really sort of fell for eventually was, like, Say Anything and Me Without You were, like, okay. for me, the two, like, pillars. Yeah. Because they were doing such weird shit compared to other bands. Yeah. You know, I listen to it now, and it's, you know, it's far from experimental, a lot of it. But, like, the fact that they were even making stuff that was pushing the boat out was kind yeah. of weird. It was, was was new to me and then obviously following on from a lot of that i got into like a lot of like youth crew oh, okay um and like just like krishna core i got well into um and all that sort of like new jersey turnpike feel yeah like early 90s chugging <laughs> um, which i still have a big soft spot for like um yeah, so, yeah, so, like, yeah, from there, yeah, like, hardcore and stuff, because I, 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 you know, like, my brother always intervening, and so there was a guiding hand in this process, like, yeah. I remember saying to him, like, oh, I don't really like music with shouting in it, except for some Fall Out Boy songs and Me Without You, and him being like, that's not correct, <laughs> and I think he put me on to Every Time I Die at that time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I see, yes, screaming's fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like it was like I think it was a, literally it was a Bolarama that like I was like oh yeah that's the one <laughs> yeah. I see now it's not angry men it's silly men <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which uh, yeah um but I guess for like the like sort of math rocky sort of stuff that we often sort of like mess around with in the band like that was just later when I was like probably like sixteen. Okay. Because I, I was home educated as a kid, and then when I was sixteen, I went into state education for the first time in my life. So I was doing classes with kids. Yeah. Uh, and that was crazy to me. <laughs> um, I loved it, but I like was doing music, and I was doing music tech. So I just fell in with these kids who were like mad into math rock and like all that shit. And they used to make. Like, I remember some some people would like make fun of my music for being like simple. Okay. And I, and I would like you know like defend it to the teeth I'd be like it doesn't matter how complex it is like fuck you you know sorry <laughs> if I'm not allowed to curse no 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 you go for it so I would do that um but also it kind of rubbed off on me that I got more into this sort of chops playing and I was sort of playing in the college like jazz band at the time on drums like so I was thinking a lot about sort of technicality and trying to like you know that stuff where you show off a little more in your musicality because I realised that people liked it yeah and for me, it's like, you know, I feel like I can enjoy something of any genre as long as it, you know, like slaps, you know, like yeah, it goes yeah. off. And then like, so it was more, it was it was less me noticing the music was good and me noticing that there was people who liked it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, okay, I get why it's fun communally now. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and like before that, I guess I'd fucked around a bit with jazz, but like... And nothing had stuck, you know? Um, so, like, yeah. And that was when, like, my friend Mark Roshman um, 
who's kind of like a legend in that part of the scene for like turning a bunch of bands onto the music that they ended up making um and like being in a bunch of really sick bands um and he's a the lead space guy now but he's he, he um uh yeah i remember him getting me into apple seed cast oh nice and like uh like you know yeah low level owl and me being like oh sick and that was when i ended up joining this band with my brother who were very much going for that sound so i yeah. immersed myself in it as much as i could i started going on tons of math rock shows it was when like the east london math rock scene was like kind of like kicking off a little bit it was kind yeah. of fun you had bands like delta sleep like springing up yeah and yeah so that was fun as hell and that's sort of how i got into that stuff and that was mostly just because people i knew who i respected who were musicians were into it and i was like okay i gotta get my game up a little bit yeah and i do i want to backtrack a little bit just in terms sure. to just touch upon you said well, kind of about like the youth crew and Krishna core sort of stuff. Yeah. That, like I'm very much like heavy into my hardcore. Like it's what I absolutely love. But Krishna core is one of the subgenres that I found it didn't quite sit with me. Apart from one, yeah, that's fair enough. One oh eight were the only band that kind of broke in, but that's just because they were a bit heavier. So sure. what drew you to to that kind of side of things? Like, is was it kind of the message or was it more the music? So like I. I, th- I think obviously the music was a huge part of it because I was into youth groups. Yeah. So like obviously because it has so many elements of that, that was what first drew me to it. And also some of those bands, like I think especially bands like Shelter, they were even though like it's easy to sort of write it off as like quote unquote religious music. Yeah. Musically, I think what they're doing on some of the early records is kind of pushing the boat out a little bit. Mm. Like there's this kind of like proto rage against the machine feel and also kind of like a beastie boys feel it's a yeah, very yeah. very new jersey and new york feel you know um to like the vocals which for me like screams beastie boys so always like that and with lyrics i have like a very i like i think very hard about about lyrics and yeah. it's one of those things where i have to like make myself turn it off and be like no it is a good song don't think about like that one sentence that you think is dumb you know <laughs> yeah. um so like with that it's like i can get down with like the, the the like end goal of what they're saying you know what i mean yeah i can get down with a band where basically their message is like respect people make sure you eat right like i kind of i don't I, I it's a bit corny but i i fuck with it you know <laughs> no, like, that's fair like, enough. obviously like as i i have you know learned more as i've grown up and stuff i'm aware that like there are a lot of elements especially the Hare krishna movement in america that are like pretty dangerous as i understand and like like not a safe place for a young person to be yeah. in some, some situations so obviously that side of it is like concerning but i guess i don't i i, I don't know why they're saying nice stuff you know yeah what I mean? yeah <laughs> but I, I i i get why you wouldn't get into it as well because it is corny as hell but yeah. i kind of like the whole genre is a little corny like lifetime is like hella corny but i love it yeah this is like because did you go to the the shelter show recently in london I didn't. I missed. No. It. So, but like a friend of mine, around the corner from me. Oh, really? Yeah. A f- but a, f- a friend of mine went, and they said that like it was cool, but there were moments when it felt like it was kind of a bit cultish, and like that's kind of what obviously for for me personally just kind of like completely put me off, sort of thing. For sure, like the sort of the sort of nasty side of it being like a, a, a religious thing yeah 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 I get you and also I feel like obviously everyone has different reactions to that stuff like 
I, 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 there are an awful lot of people who, you know, see anything that feels sort of religious and get really uncomfortable with it, and I think that's fair enough. Most people who have that reaction have good yeah. reasons for it too. So, like, yeah, I, I respect that view entirely, and I think, I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine feeling a bit weird, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It was like praying and stuff. But then also, like, you do you, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, I've gone on a bit of a tangent, but... Um, oh, sure, it's interesting. <laughs> um, we'll get back to, to you. So, obviously, from then, obviously, discovering music, what, when did you kind of start playing? And obviously, most people know you for, for what you're doing now, and I told you I'd eat you as yeah. the vocalist. But was was singing always what you wanted to do? Have you, Did you dabble with other instruments? Where, what was your jumping in sure. point? So my jumping in point was drums, and that oh, okay. was just like that was like a like I don't know that was just like something that you want to do as a kid because you like hit stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I can my, relate to that. Yeah, like my parents got this like you know this like secondhand like kit off eBay, like bless them because I asked like so much for a drum kit, <laughs> yeah. and like yeah and. I got some lessons when I was a kid, and I was gassed on it. Like it was just fun to like feel like I could make something. Yeah. But at that time, I defined myself entirely by sort of my family units. Where I was like, well, I should be drums because none of us, no one in the family does that. Right. Okay. You know? And like all my family are pretty good at singing, and uh, my brother Tom plays, you know, pretty much every instrument. So I was like, oh, what? Well, this will be my thing. Um, and then I think. I realized that that wasn't what I was listening to in records, right? Yeah. Like, I would listen to a record, and, like, I, I remember sitting down and teaching myself, like, how to play most of uh, Phoebe You Can't Sweat Out, but how to get the disco yeah. on drums, because I loved the drum release. Still one of my favorite records for drums. And, like, I remember being like, okay, well, that's kind of fun to, like, get your head around an idea and up your coordination and shit, but I kind of want to be, like, making the pretty bits at the top. Yeah. Like, I could sing, but, like, I never really, like, I was sort of confident enough, because my family always sang, so I'd yeah. sing in front of people a lot, but, like, I'm not sure, like, the degree to which I was, like, felt like I could stand up in front of people, you know, I was quite, uh, I was, like, outgoing, but I was, like, chubby and young as hell, you know, like, I wasn't sort of ready. Yeah. And, uh... So, yeah, I ended up playing drums in my first band, which was with Josh, who is in I Told You I Did You Oh, now. okay. Um, and that was when I was, like, 13. So Josh and I, this is our, like, 11th year of writing songs together. Oh, wow. Officially. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was in my first band. I played drums, and that didn't really go anywhere because we didn't have a singer. And then, like, because we were all teenagers, some of us fell out. Yeah. And me and Josh came back in, and we formed a band where I was singing, he was playing guitar. And that was, like, a pop-punk thing. Like, we were going for, like, one year's funeral for a friend. Right. We were playing community centers and stuff. And that was the first time, like, you know, proper, like, playing music, playing music, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, like, eventually, like, that band broke up, and I joined this band with my brother. <sighs> That's all, you know... And then we signed to Deep Elm Records, who was the same label that put out Low Level Owl by Apple Car, so it was like a dream come true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we, we put out a couple records with them. And so, like, I mean, I joined that band when I was 17. Yeah. And then, like, and yeah, that was when we, we were on Deep Elm as well. So, like, did all that shit. And then I guess I went to uni. And, like, I told you it was sort of a small thing, and it just stopped being me acoustic. And it was like, now we got Sean and Josh on board, and Ollie was on board. So, like, I was at uni, and we were just, like, recording 
or writing every now and then, like it was very much a part-time thing. Yeah. Um, it was when we got our guitarist Lewis on as well. Um, it was kind of like, he was like very into the emo scene. So like, this is when I was like, you know, going out to see all the like shows, like, you know, I must have seen Night Harvest 20, 20 times. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, or like, I have a better example is probably, um, oh God, what are they called? Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were called like, Powerson? Play Lounge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Play Lounge like 20 times. Yeah. In the, like, the year before I started uni, the first year. Like, because they were just on every show, right? Um, but yeah, so, like, but basically at that time, like, I told you that he was pretty part-time and I wanted to find some stuff to do in London. So I ended up joining a bunch of, like, post-punk bands on okay. drums, bass, and, like, that was how I just ended up hanging out with some really, like, out of the scene people and like yeah. really expand what I thought about music as a whole. I um I was at university with a band called uh, Happy Meal Limited who had just announced their record and they were on Sony and like then they got dropped and they had a whole thing. So like I sort of started seeing like big shit happen. You know yeah. what I mean? And I was like that scene was pretty weird. Like I um yeah, I played drums in a bunch of those bands, and I was adepting on bass for a lot of bands as well. And, like, there was a time when I was, like, kind of rehearsing for, like, three or four projects yeah. weekly, and, like, just, like, didn't do anything else pretty much. Like, I, I remember one time going to Manchester on a coach, playing a show, sleeping on the coach back, going straight to the rehearsal room with just the bass player in this band because we were recording the next day and we need to get locked in so me and that person me and her just sat in the room with the metronome for about four hours practicing the set with, with nothing else like no guitars no vocals nothing just a metronome and the two of us and then we slept that night and went to record the next day like it was it was a crazy time <laughs> it but, sounds like it yeah, so and that was all, like, basically drums stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would do vocal harmonies and stuff, but I sort of, like, for a couple of years was, like, really thinking about drumming again, which was kind of cool. Yeah. But that's sort of, like, the sort of most sort of... The, the sort of the biggest sort of change in how I was perceiving music in my adult life was hanging around with all those people and, like the sort of like money and shit being thrown around which is like I had a completely sort of DIY experience of yeah that. and it was kind of amusing right because like, a lot of these people it was their first ever band but I felt like you know pretty aware of what I was doing and it was like I was seeing people who had never been in bands before just like skyrocketing super fast like playing sold out rooms in like months yeah and it was like it wasn't a feeling of like jealousy or anything like that but it was like a feeling of like I hadn't believed that it could move that fast yeah yeah I thought that was kind of a myth so I kind of looked at that and I had a you know I guess a a big think an ongoing big think about the degree to which I would want that for a totality yeah yeah so that just to kind of backtrack again a little bit, just for sure, yeah, I really raced off. No, 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 it's absolutely fine. Like, so you mentioned kind of like dabbling in sort of singing and stuff, but was there were there projects where you were 
the predominant singer or is yeah, it I told I mean, you kind of the, been the main one well I told you is like yeah the main one in that like I um it's the longest running yeah and the one we've had the most sort of like success at but, but yeah the first band I set was the singer in was my yeah second band ever which was with Josh right okay and then, yeah pop punk sort of thing and like we put out one single that was like actually you know I listened to it the other day it's fine <laughs> yeah like I'm it's better than it had any right to be yeah we had a really good bass player who's an old childhood friend of mine um who I still see every now and then and like he was always trying to do fun stuff with the bass lines like really make them listenable and not just like chugging mm. so that was like fun like I uh yeah so like yeah I guess the start, that was probably 15 the yeah. first band I sang in and like we were together for three years or so and we put out one single in that time so you can imagine how, how much work we did yeah <laughs> like we had a total of two two tracks of output but um yeah and and, and when I joined uh Our Lost Infantry which is the band with my brother yeah um he partly brought me on because being brothers we have very similar vocal range right and and tombra so he could give me parts that he had written and could, he couldn't sing two things at once so he just gave them to me right okay plus also because i was sort of younger and more energetic you know i was like 17 everyone else in, in that band was in their you know mid to late 20s i i could do like the yelling and stuff yeah you know I think they're all worried about fucking their voices and stuff (laughs) (laughs) and uh, Tom was like nah you'll be fine (laughs) Um, I had vocal cords to burn so (laughs) I I, I was the yeah Yeah. (laughs) fair enough Um, I mean mean, also you know like you know I volunteered wholeheartedly to be that guy yeah yeah I I, I love that shit Um, and I played bass as well I should say in that band okay cool Um, predominantly bass but like most songs I was, you know, singing almost all the way through. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was when I sort of learned to sing and play at the same time. And it was a math rock band too. So, I mean, I didn't know how to play bass before I joined that band. Oh, okay. So so I literally learned it to be in a math rock band where I also had to be singing. <laughs> so I would just, you know, for, you know, I had to work for hours. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not giving yourself an easy task. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, and 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 like I was, you know, I am not a diligent person. <laughs> I like I am easily distracted and often coast. So like, <laughs> I'm. It's almost like I think back on it now, and I'm like, man, I did a real good job. Imagine how good of a job I would have done if I like worked like harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like. Um, but yeah. So you know, this whole time, you know, I'm, I'm, tr- I think I'm sort of trying to sing in all these bands, you know. Yeah. I'm like trying to like get to the point where I'm the guy standing up in the front of the stage, and even when I'm in bands where that's my job, I'm still not quite there yet, you know. Yeah. And you know, I look at old videos and it's cringy as hell. Like I just don't know what to do with my arms. You yeah, know? yeah. So like that, which I think you know everyone has when they're starting out, and and, and even later. Um, but it took like I told you I had a year for me to get really comfortable with it. Yeah. I had I had, to, I had a band with um. Right before I told you I'd eat you, when I was at college, I had a, a band where I played acoustic guitar and sang, and another guy did too, and then we'd switch on drums, um, and Ollie was in it, and this guy called Luke, 
who played trumpet on all of our stuff yeah um was the other singer in that so i think that was kind of like beginning to sort of break down that barrier for yeah. me of like singing because i had people i trusted next to me you know yeah so people i had like met to be in a band yeah yeah you know like it, and it wasn't people who i felt like i was having to like you know it was people who i knew liked what i did and i wasn't worried about them liking it i think that was the big thing for me is that i got confident in i told you i'd eat you through my experiences and you know other bands like that when i realized that what i needed to feel confident on stage was knowing that i wasn't having to prove anything to the, to yeah, the people yeah. behind me you know? like yeah like i think i can pretty much put with put up with almost anything on stage but i wouldn't be able to put up with like knowing that like someone on stage didn't like the song or didn't like what i was doing yeah no that's fair yeah. enough but like once I sort of had realised that that was my complex you know that was what was holding <laughs> yeah. me back you know I just kind of started giving a bit less of a fuck and that's like terrible advice to anyone because <laughs> like like how how do you enact that in your life yeah no, but I, get that. I basically just kept telling myself it wasn't a big deal like when I was going to say it but like it's not even a big deal yeah you know, I'd be like if I forget the words no one knows my fucking songs so that's fine <laughs> and it's my words I mean I still change the words sometimes live um, and I, the only sections where I won't do that is when I know that people are going to sing along yeah. with it because I don't want to upset, you know, I don't want to confuse them. But, like, I'm always changing the words because I kind of feel like it's not done. And also I feel like I'll lose my contact with the song if it becomes, like, a list of things to remember. Yeah. You know? And then just to, kind of, again, to sort of flip back a little bit. You, sure. You've obviously said that, like, music was always kind of in your family and things like that. And you you mentioned kind of the that you were homeschooled up until you went to college. Yeah, so, yeah. What, during that time of kind of being homeschooled, was music a big part of of that kind of curriculum in in some senses? Yeah, I, yeah, I feel you. Like, I mean, not the uh, official curriculum as it were, because I had to do like GCSEs. Yeah, and of shit. course. And I didn't do, I didn't do music for those either. But, um, yeah, no, like, I mean, my dad was always, like, playing records. Like, he'd sit, like, my computer was, like, up against the wall just outside of the room where he'd work, which is, like, kind of like the living room. Yeah. Um, and um, so I would either sit with my headphones on and listen to music, or I'd just hear what my dad was playing on his CD player, right? And he would just do what I now do, where he'd just play the same record over and over yeah, and over yeah. again. Like, and it wouldn't even be like a new record it'd be like some record he remembered existed and he put it he put it on and like so like that was like when i heard like hounds of love by kate bush which like is still one of the for me one of the greatest records of all time yeah and like graceland by paul simon too um like classic records so like and that stuff like always you know low-key influenced me yeah like as an adult now I can look back and be like no I think those records are actually fucking massive yeah yeah you know like uh, especially Hounds of Love like I think that I've honestly never really made anything where there wasn't at least one bit where I'd be like and that bit should sound like the spin on Hounds of Love <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so definitely like like what my parents were playing was like a huge part of what I what I was into and yeah. it also like spurred me on 
to find what I liked so that yeah. I could show it to them and be like, is this good? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, obviously, from you going from being home home educated to then jumping into college, was that quite a like a daunting thing for you as, like going from I guess kind of like a safe bubble in some aspects to yeah. then going into the big wide world yeah I get you I, you know what I think actually by that point I was just impatient to meet someone right okay like just to meet people because I, I had the I had the feeling that I would be good at it right <laughs> you know I, I went to like a part time drama course school thing uh, and uh, I, you know I was I loved hanging out with people there yeah you know and I, I, that was where I formed my very first band and stuff so like I was like oh man more people yeah yeah you know like I was at that, by that point I think it had been a few years before I would have been terrified but by the time I was like 15 I was like get me out of here like get me into <laughs> yeah. a classroom with some kids and like teach me about whatever the fuck I don't know and then we'll go get stoned after you know like <laughs> <laughs> like I was just ready <laughs> no that's fair enough um, um and then back in in terms of like the musical stuff like because I always find it interesting to see where people kind of like cut their teeth, so to say. So obviously you said yeah. you meant like kind of starting bands quite early on, but it, from the sounds of things, it sounds like the band that you did with your brother was kind of like the one that kind of maybe pushed things in a certain direction. So was that the first band that you were kind of touring with, like doing bigger yeah. shows with and things like that? For sure. Like we, um, we supported This Town Needs Guns oh, wow, for, okay. a ha- for a Halloween show at New Slang. And I was like, I was so excited. Like, wait, wait, when was that? What year was that? 2013? Oh, okay, no, I wasn't. I was going to say, because I definitely saw This Town News Guns at New Slang, and I was just trying to think, was I at that one? Was, but it, I, was it a Halloween show? I don't think so, but I definitely, I wasn't in London at that point, so I wouldn't right. have been there. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was earlier, maybe it was 2011. I was at college. You know, I could, I could ask Ollie. Ollie was there. <laughs> Ollie, I live with Ollie, so he's, he's just in the other room. Um... Um, yeah, I could just go off them, but uh, yeah, like that was like that was huge for me, and like it was the first band I was in that was on a label. Yeah. Right? Like even though it didn't mean much, because very small label essentially, they just like helped us out with one or two bits and pieces, and they were you know great for that. Um, it was like you know it was felt like a big deal. I like worked hard to get to get us to that point with the others, you know, mm. and like yeah. So then, obviously, like kind of moving forward, you've kind of mentioned that obviously you sort of dabbled in in sort of other bands and things like that. But then, obviously, what people know you for now is obviously I told you. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think my first introduction with you was an EP. That was it. Just solely you. Oh, very possibly. Um, was it? Um... Was it like a CDR? Yeah, like, I think so. Yeah, was that the like the, the, the called like the Sad Kid demos or something? Maybe I can't I can't no, remember exactly. But yeah. I... I swear there's only like twelve people who have those. Probably related <laughs> to six of them. So props. But yeah, so like obviously the, in these embryonic stages, was it just kind of something that that you wanted to sort of dabble with and play around with? There was no kind of ideas of it being what it's now become now sort of thing for sure like i always wanted to be like i always wanted to be like a proper band yeah you know like i didn't want to be in a band where i felt like 
we were doing something that was not shooting high enough. You know what I mean? I wanted to make something not necessarily like arty or difficult to listen to, but something that I felt was like an honest expression and like was, you know, had a little sort of complexity to it and something you had to sort of unwrap a little. Yeah. Um, you know, these like these sort of, you know, classic indie bands like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, you know, Talking Heads or something like that, yeah. where there's, like, you know, it's fun music, it's very much in what it's in, but it's also, like, like, you want to stroke your chin a little bit, and be like, hmm, <laughs> yeah. what is, what's this guy saying? So, like, yeah, no, definitely, I, when I started, I, I, I was kind of, I, I had this, like, self-imposed restriction on my lyric writing that I, like, fully backed for a while, and definitely when those acoustic ones uh, were floating about, uh, where I basically was, like, I, 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 I convinced myself that metaphor was, was like, almost a form of dishonesty. Right. And that I should only write that which was, like stream of consciousness straight off my head right like uh, i remember a few years after that i think max bemis doing this interview where he said like the way he writes his lyrics is he thinks the most embarrassing thing that's making him anxious that he can't stop thinking about and he finds the most embarrassing part of it and then that's when he starts writing the lyrics he writes about the stuff he doesn't want anyone to know yeah yeah um because he thinks that forces himself to be honest and i i was of that school of thought for the first few years of the band really mm. And then I guess when we wrote I Am Not Your Fault and I had to write lyrics to that, like what Josh had written, he wrote the whole EP without lyrics, right? So he just like sat with his guitar and just made like pretty much almost as you hear it, how it goes. And I um, had to write lyrics for this like big thing. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, the, the guitar, I was like, it's so pretty. The guitars are so nice. I really don't want to just be like constantly like yelling like oh I mi like i miss you i wish we were dating again <laughs> yeah yeah we never dated and I, I i it would be nice if we could you know like the stream of consciousness stuff which has a place but i wanted to sort of have like enough of that in there that anyone can sort of hook on and be like oh that's what this person's talking about yeah you know, i don't yeah. want to confuse anyone i don't want to show off that i can talk about something i think is clever you know um but i kind of want to be able to write about this sort of painful stuff while also just having a bit of artistry to it trying to make it like pretty and fun because i and that's entirely sort of from josh i realized that's what josh was doing yeah he was making you know quite angsty music music that was quite you know embedded in you know alt rock you know kick flips and stuff a little bit you know like fist punching kind of music yeah but it had this really like anthemic beautiful post-rocky quality to it and i kind of felt like i needed to sort of live up to those two sort of shades being added to the palette you know yeah and then so in terms of kind of going from sort of like writing the sort of acoustic stuff to then kind of forming it as a, a whole band how did you yeah. kind of get everyone sort of on board and where, where did sort of like the different elements of wanting it to be a full band come from so um that guy again mark rushman uh who's in a band now called what nah uh, in Leeds. <laughs> yeah he's great he's really good anything he's in is going to be really fun bouncy math rock like um 
Yeah, um, he uh, introduced me and Ollie to Sean and Arctangent, and like literally, like Sean came up to us and was like, "Mark says you're forming a band, can I play drums in it?" <laughs> We're like, oh, "Yeah, all right." Like, you seem chill. And then we hung out for the weekend, and Sean was very chill. We really got on with him. We were like, well, that guy should definitely be in the band. Yeah. Um, and then I got in contact with Josh and was like, literally, we're getting the old band back together. Let's do it for real this time. Like, you know, this will have been the third band Josh and I were in together. Yeah. Um, and, well, fourth, actually, because he ended up joining the band with my brother for our last record. Oh, okay. So, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, this is the one, though. <laughs> like we've done all this other shit this is the one um you know i was like you know back to basics old-fashioned joey and josh <laughs> like let's get it man and josh i took him out to the pub and josh was like yeah all right fuck it i got some shit you can have it like and that's that's josh knows knows that he's good like <laughs> so he was like yeah i'm glad you asked i got some shit let's do it yeah um and then, like, so that's, yeah, and then oh, but Ollie I had met at college, and so Ollie was kind of, even when I was putting out those acoustic ones that you had, um, Ollie was, like, in the room for all of that. Right, like, okay. O- Ollie's sort of the unseen hand constantly at work. Yeah. Um, and I told you I'd eat you. Um, like, like, from day one, like, even when I was playing these so- shows solo acoustic, I would be like, and this is our bass player, Ollie. Uh, he's on a stage right now because these songs don't really have bass parts yet, but that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, so, like, yeah, and then, so that's, you know, bass, drums, guitar. And then uh, when I moved up to London, I went to, of all things, a Moose Blood show. May, may time forgive me. <laughs> um, <laughs> forgive, forgive me, we didn't know. But um, I was wearing a sorority noise T-shirt. There we go. Oh God! And, double whammy, uh, Joey. Double whammy, yeah. Uh, all right, you know I'll see myself out. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, this, yeah, this was early as shit. Um, you know, it was early enough that these bands were just like pretty obscure. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, no one, no one knew shit. But um, yeah, and this guy comes up to me and goes, "I like your sorority noise shirt." Um, like, do you follow Moose Blood? And you're like, "Yeah, man." And, like, this dude like, was like, I just got paid. Let me buy you, like, a drink. And then, like, me and Ollie and this dude just hang out for the whole evening. And he ended up being our first guitarist, Lewis Friend, who is just, like, the sweetest dude. Yeah. Um, and he's on, like, everything up until uh, Odearism. Right. Lewis on. Um, so Odearism is the first release without Lewis on it. Um, and turned out that lewis actually knew sean from like school oh okay they both grew up in milton Keynes, so it's a bit weird um so yeah that was like the first sort of lineup we had and then our old friend luke who had been in this band with me and ollie at college eventually joined playing trumpet and we had from that point on there was like always a bit of a revolving door like yeah. that's sort of the initial lineup and from that point on it's very confusing multiple different <laughs> strands <laughs> many different keyboard players all of whom have done really cool shit separately as well, but that would be a whole different podcast just about <laughs> what, what various members of I Told You I you are doing now that's cooler than that. Um, but, like, um, yeah, so a bunch of different people. And then um, for Odearism, we had our friend Holly, who we've known for years, who Sean introduced me to. Um, and Holly came in and did vocals for all that record and played live with us during that time as mm. well. And then also, just before Odearism, or a little while before Odearism, Lewis left the band and was replaced by uh, Alexi Barrow, who uh, 
we just knew because we'd played shows with his old band Johnny Foreigner right and we were all huge fans of Johnny Foreigner and then one time he was kind of wasted after we played a show together like we were all kind of drunk in a smoking area and he was like I love your band so much I don't know if I want to be in your band or just like you know just like be in the crowd for your band you know I yeah. kind of think I want to be in your band and we were always we kind of laughed about it because we were like oh that's so crazy what a nice compliment to get what a nice guy like that's so sick of course he's joking like he wouldn't do that he's you know a legend to us but yeah like, yeah that's great. you know what a nice guy and then eventually you know Lewis ended up leaving and like we were like okay here we go I'm just gonna send the message yeah I'm just like I think it was Sean in the end Sean was like I'm messaging Alexi Barrett <laughs> I'm, I'm going to him on Facebook I'm going to message him and just ask him if he wants to join the band and Alexi was like yeah fuck it alright sounds fun <laughs> what, do, what do I start and we were like okay cool <laughs> um, yeah and then like yeah we just demoed and, and, and wrote in a room a bunch with lots of different keyboard players um, went on a bunch of weird little tours and then eventually yeah we spoke to you know Alcapop and and Failure by Design together yeah. to do um, the Get Terrified EP and then the um, uh, then Odirism. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and then I think like from when you became like a full full band, it might yeah. have just been partly on naivety on my part, or maybe just because I was following you rather than other bands. But like you were the first band that I saw where yourself and other members had put up front their pronouns, and yeah. it was something that at the time I remember kind of being like, "Oh, that's kind of unusual." Yeah. So obviously, like you you present as someone that's not non-binary. So yeah, yeah. It's can can you kind of talk me through kind of that journey of discovery? Like, was that something sure, that's yeah. kind of been going for a long time is it something that's happened with the band and you've discovered yourself a bit more like where where is that kind of path come from well you know i always you know i i kind of knew i wasn't straight right whole life but i was pretty sure like it was probably more complex than being you know like bi or or gay it was, yeah. sec- it was just you know a sexuality thing and that was part of it but like you know i had sort of a I think a lot of uh, queer people, especially when it comes to sexuality, um, will tell you that there's like a moment when they realize that they weren't making out with their same gender friends as a joke anymore. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, That, you know, there was that for me, and that was pretty young. Right, okay. But I didn't like say much about it because I was just like, yeah, who cares? Yeah, yeah. um, And then, like, I got to uni and I realized this was something people were actually talking about because they were meeting each other for the first time. And so I was like, well, I guess I should probably say out loud that I'm bisexual, right? And then once I, you know, around that time, I was sort of thinking about that, like sexuality, mm. was when I first met Sean, you know, the, uh, our drummer. Yeah. And Sean was at that point identifying as non-binary. And using right, okay. And I was like... Yo, what's what's the, what does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Ignorant, you know, and like, I remember us refer, recording our first record, and me like jokingly describing the band as like strong men, 
or something like us being like ah oh, yes this is strong man music or something just like a dumb thing and sean like laughing and being like well i don't feel like a man but that is very funny right <laughs> um, and i remember being kind of like mortified because i was like well of course we talked about this but I, I was i was new to it right yeah of course so i kind of was like yeah i remember messaging sean and being like yo i'm really sorry that like upset you or did anything wrong and sean was like i'd already forgotten about it like chill out like it's okay <laughs> but it kind of made me think more about it you know and i met other non-binary people through the band like it turned like you know like our first tour i met now one of my greatest friends uh indigo azita hacker who uh plays uh, music under the name granola suicide right and, and they have always uh, as long as i've known them pretty much uh, identified as non-binary and used yeah. their pronouns so i i remember like yeah on first tour hanging out with indy and being like yo what's your name like what's your deal like pretty drunk and Indy being like oh i'm gonna go you stay them pronouns and me being like another one tell me about it yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and and i remember saying to indy like well for me i guess I worry that I'm not like androgynous enough to say I'm non-binary and also I kind of feel like a dick if I'm making people use awkward pronouns and stuff yeah yeah Indigo was like well what you've just told me is that you're non-binary and you feel a little weird about what that means and I'm like oh so I have yes that is correct (laughs) (laughs) Indigo's a smart person like that they can get to the core of you real fast yeah Um, yeah like they were like all you've said is you just don't want to inconvenience people and honestly i don't think people care that much so you know like do you yeah yeah so that's that's you know that's sort of why i've always been like you know i'd not you know i'm not like offended if someone uses he pronouns for me or anything like that yeah because a lot of people especially if someone doesn't know you and doesn't know that context can be reflexive i mean a lot of people do it but that's sort of why we put the pronouns in the record because it's like Here's like a jump start. Maybe you can start thinking about this kind of shit, you know? Well, that's, kind, I think it's polite. that's kind of why I wanted to, to bring it up because I think I was kind of aware of of what being non-binary meant but wasn't kind yeah. of fully, like, up on it, I guess is a, a good sort yeah, of yeah, term. Yeah. But because there was bands like yourself, especially, like, when I first got sort of discovered you, there weren't as many bands as there are now that kind of were outwardly yeah. talking about it so like the reason I, I wanted to bring it up was because were you in that it might have just been like from my perspective but were there people that when you'd put your your preferred pronouns forward that mm. people were a bit like oh what does this mean and then sort of sure. coming to you with that question I think you know I was uh identifying as non-binary a lot earlier than I started talking about it in the band. Right, okay. Um, and I think Sean too, right? And uh, when we started doing, when we did the Get Terrified EP, I think it was Get Terrified EP, my um, partner actually did the PR for it. Okay. Um, and um, I was messaging, my partner is also non-binary, and I was messaging them, and they were like, yo, I'm writing this press release, how much do you want to talk about gender shit? Um, like, it's okay if you don't. And I was at the pub, I think, with Sean, and I was like, well, it's kind of for, for, you know, it's, it's me, Sean, and Ollie are non-binary, so mm. the three of us were at the pub, and I, I was like, with Ollie, I already sort of knew how Ollie felt about it, like, I think Ollie was like, you know, back to me, 
Um, but like I sort of was like, yo, I'm not going to answer this question until Sean's comfortable. And I was like, yo, Sean, how do you feel about this? Like, if you don't want to talk about it, then we'll never talk about it again. Yeah. Well, we just just won't won't bother with it, you know. You know, deal with it separately. You know, it doesn't have to be a thing if you're not comfortable. And because uh, like Sean, you know, wasn't out to their parents and stuff like that. Right. Okay. And Sean was like, nah, fuck it. Like, Sean was like, as long as people need to ask about it to know more shit, then we should probably answer the question. Yeah. And that, I've, you know, I've not been able to phrase it better myself. <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. As, as long as it's worth talking about, as long as it's worth asking about, then it's worth talking about. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I think that, like, there is obviously a problem with, um, marginalized people being sort of like bombarded with questions and having to sort of prove you know yeah. um, just justify their existence um but for me you know in day-to-day life it's one thing but in a context like this you know it's it's your job in this scenario to ask me questions like why wouldn't you ask about that you know yeah like unless obviously i'd said to you specifically no i'm not comfortable with it or like, yeah yeah in that place right now but you know most people are respectful of that for for, for me like it became a uh, almost another thing which was like I felt like a bit of a fraud because it was like you know I'm non-binary I, I, I struggle with that stuff but also you know it's not all struggle there's a lot of wonderful things about working out who you are and feeling comfortable in yourself mm. um, so you know I didn't want to make it feel like it was all doom and gloom especially since more you know queer kids would listen to our music yeah I didn't want to, like, uh, you know, give off that impression. But also, you know, I felt like I had it a lot easier than the kids who were coming to us. Yeah. You know, I was lucky, you know, the people I knew, you know, the people I know you are, are, are mad respectful. Um, and, and also, you know, I'm close enough with them that they can, you know, be disrespectful if they need to be. I mean, they're <laughs> not going to, you know, disrespectful, like, they're not going to disrespect, like, half of my gender and shit, but, like, we're comfortable with each other. Is, is yeah. And a lot of the kids... Well, some of the kids who were into us didn't necessarily have that. Yeah. So while I kind of felt good that they felt good, I was also a bit like, but yo, like, there's kids who like our band who have been out here, like, homeless because they were they were trans. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, the, 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 the statistics on that would, would, would shock you. They're, they're horrible. Mm. Um, and, you know, I actually, I... I, I I did like a a bit of like a reactive rant on Twitter, um, like probably a year and a half or so ago, I don't know, where like in the space of a day, one kid who was homeless and another kid who was living in an active war zone had both phrased it in almost the same way where they said, I'm sorry that I haven't bought any of your merch. Oh my God. I was like, yo, that's not okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, they should not think that they have to pay anything. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, and I think I expressed myself very poorly because I went on, like, around Twitter. <laughs> I ended up deleting it, like, as you always do. When yeah, you do yeah. Something, like, poorly thought out rant. Because basically what I was saying was, like, the, you know, DIY bands need money to live. And I think a lot of people... Are, often assume maybe because of our lyrics or the, the way we dress sometimes I think some people assume that we're all very um, class privileged financially privileged right 
Um, and while that is the case with some members of the band, it's definitely not the case with me. So when I talk about that stuff, I try and make it clear that I'm not talking from a position of someone who can ask my parents to pay for their recording. You know mm. what I mean? I'm aware, brutally aware of the financial realities of being in a, a DIY band. So, but yeah, that freaked me out that there were kids who were doing that and it's something that's very hard to express because quite rightly people at the time pointed out like there are a lot of bands who get scared when people start saying that shit because they won't make fuel to the next place yeah yeah and i sort of had a record with the fact that i was putting myself in the same damn position but also you know it's the system that's rotten and i don't want to facilitate marginalized people being fu- more fucked by it than they should be yeah you know, they shouldn't be fucked at all no 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 like <laughs> and like the the point that I, I wanted to kind of make is that obviously like from the perspective of someone that is a cis white male like yeah. I think it's more of like an educational thing and I like I think not that it's like a person like yourself's duty as such but I think having bands like yourself bands like Nervous yeah. bands like oh, my Mine's drawing a bit of a blank right now, but like, like but I, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like yeah. hers and gloss and things like that. That Kermies as well. Yeah, that that are kind of outwardly speaking that message. It, even though it's great for the people that are going through that existence, it's just as much needed for the people that aren't. If that makes sense. I get, I get you. Yeah, like and like. I think that's off that message is often skewed because artists are like, well, I'm making music for everyone, you know, and like it can feel a little bit like a cop out. Yeah. But but it's true is that I'm trying to write stuff that like makes people feel things and ideally makes people feel something close to what I was feeling when I wanted to write the song. You know? Yeah. Um, and you know, I know that like, for instance, you know, I'm not a trans woman. Um, but I can listen to Transgender Dysphoria Blues by yeah. Against Me, and that record makes me want to cry because she's being so fucking tough and brave, and the way she's expressing herself is so beautiful and so nuanced. Yeah, uh, that that just that just hits universal, you know. Like, um, I mean, I I know plenty of cis people who listen to that record and fucking cry. Yeah. It's beautiful. You know, and what she's expressing is is beautiful, but it's also very specific. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's the sort of there was the question when they put out uh, the song "Transcendent Dysphoria Blues" because she uses the F slur in it, right? Yeah, yeah. Which obviously, she has every right to use, and you know, queer people have a right to that word. But um, I I remember thinking like, whoa, there's going to be like straight kids saying that, and it's like I just don't know how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So there's always that question, right? But yeah, I guess the the aim is to create something that makes people feel like they're engaging in an emotion with you. Yeah, and uh, there is obviously there is the level. There are some people who are gonna hear that there's a queer aspect to it, and even now they're just gonna switch off. They're gonna be like, okay, well that's not for me. Yeah, um, yeah. and like that pisses me off but I wouldn't want those people to listen to the, to the music, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. Like, if I ended up making a record that was, like, I don't know, like, I like to play with, you know, like, lyrics about, like, 
you know, sort of like sex and flirtation and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, do like a Justin Timberlake shit, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, you know, like a music was kind of like sexy or whatever. But like, I, I just can't see myself coming out and like just making a record about having straight sex with cis people you know what i mean yeah yeah but, but i'm I, I honestly think that like you know if, if we're talking about that kind of music like everyone well most people like an awful lot of people you know s- want to have sex with people so <laughs> yeah. i think that those people would probably still enjoy the song you know what i mean and if, <laughs> yeah. like, if they wanted to like go into like the you know the genius page and be like wait a second is this about someone with a penis? <laughs> like, if you're that fragile, then I don't think only... It's not just that our music isn't for you, it's the music isn't for you. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be upset whatever you hear. But it's it also, you know, worth bringing up that when we talk about stuff like this, it's um, it's something that I think it's really cool that the scene, you know, as the, insofar as there is a scene, um, you know, that bands are talking about this shit yeah. and bands being more careful and bands with, with cis people in there being more careful with it but I also worry that like you know people who have been around the scene for a while know that like we often put up token resistance to an issue that is important and often don't change the fundamentals You know, we kind of just wait for like a pop star to tell us it's okay you know what I mean yeah yeah or in the case of a scene, wait for like a singer of a punk band to tell us it's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, I think that there's still a huge issue along those lines with you know the racial diversity in a lot of the DIY punk scene because it's something that requires you know active work and listening. You can't like go to a show and be like, "Well, I accept all people, and no further questions." Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, of, of course you fucking do. You're probably a decent person, but you need to work out what you can do to make the world better, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. And, like, I think that's the thing. Like, I think why I kind of say, like, from the educational sort of standpoint, like, I try and sort of take as much information from... Like, I, I'm guilty. I am a guilty party in that sense of you saying, like waiting for like a punk rock singer to sort of like say things but like I then kind of like take that element and do my own digging if that makes sense exactly and that's sort of the point really isn't it like like you know we're all guilty of it yeah like you know we're we're, you know like I said like I wouldn't have even realised I was non binary if Sean hadn't like (laughs) you know what I mean like everyone needs a push you know a lot of people need a push you know I I you know, if you'd interviewed me three years ago, you know, I probably wouldn't have even, like, I would have been aware of it, but I wouldn't have known what to say or what was appropriate to say or whatever yeah. about the fact that there's a huge racial disparity in the scene. You know, I, I would have been like, uh, yeah, that's bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. You know, it. Okay, like, yeah. I'm trying to educate myself. And it's like, obviously, like, it's probably plenty of uh people of color who would listen to this and roll their eyes like yeah well done you just fucking realized <laughs> but that's sort of the point isn't it like i'm trying to work out my shit yeah no um, that's fine yeah and then in terms of kind of i guess the the growth of i told you like i don't i'm i don't kind of want to lump you in with that those sort of bands but like there's seems to be especially here in the uk i think maybe because i'm more prevalent to it but there's 
like a buzz around kind of like the DIY sort of queer scene at the moment. Yeah. Have you kind of cuz I don't know like from my perspective I told you was kind of in some senses like a bit of an old guard because it was a kind of a bit before this way. Yeah, yeah. But have you kind of found that that's kind of opened doors for for you as as a band that it's just... certainly cool there's 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 bands that we know are like you know cool to talk to you know what I mean? yeah you know like it, it you know there was i feel like even though like for a long time we didn't actually know each other and we like maybe played some like connected shows and stuff but like it was like when we first played a show with nervous i didn't need to worry about that at all i was just like well i i know that these people are gonna like not be weird with me yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean so that's cool um but yeah i mean it, 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 you know it's, it's it comes and goes you know and it, ha- it cuts both ways we had um i won't say who but we got a, a tour offer from a relatively prominent american emo band um uh when they were coming over here who had been put, they had been there was some controversy about right. something one of them had done right um and uh we sort of you know like armed and odd about it and we we kind of like yeah we, we were really unsure because we were like well you know what we're hearing is this being resolved but also like we're not trying to make any like, what kind of message is this sending you know yeah. what i mean if we say yeah this one's actually okay then how many other people are gonna do that and to what degree are we being used as a smokescreen yeah but then also on the other hand to what degree are we being used as part of a genuine attempt to reconnect with marginalized people and and hold yourself accountable you know and at the end of the day it came down to the fact that like well if it was so they were offering us fifty pounds a night, yeah. And there's at the time seven people in the band, yeah. Uh, and like you know, it's a whole van for every day. And, you know, like our, our costs of just getting there are going to be double that. Yeah, of course. And we were like, and you know, the, the the fee wasn't really negotiable. And we sort of thinking about it, and we were like, well, this isn't a financial exercise by any means. The amount of respect that's implied by that, essentially asking us to take a loss that they might look a little better yeah um, yeah you know what i mean um and and we actually reached out to some other bands with prominent queer members uh who had got the same offer and made the same decision as well oh, so okay we kind of, yeah um so we were like oh okay like that's you know that we're not crazy you know um because also you know there is such a thing as being too in your head about this stuff sometimes but unfortunately that's quite rare yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so, like, yeah, but there is also the element of, like, I think, especially, like, a few years ago, there would be, definitely, you get the vibe sometimes, a promoter has looked at their bill, and then they've seen some meme, and they've been like, whoa, we need to get women and queer people into some shows. Yeah, yeah. Does anyone know any any, any people like that? And then you get the call, and they're like, hey, can you play this show? <laughs> like, and, like that's like kind of like fine because it's like what you're saying like it's people educating themselves and i'd rather that than not get the show you know yeah but there there have been a couple of times where it's felt a little tokenizing but then you know you know because like you know we may be like to some people all god and sort of queer side of the scene but you know it's easy to forget that you know a lot of what we came out of was less the emo scene and more the math rock scene yeah and a lot of the movement there is a lot of the work there is still to be done oh yeah yeah so i think a lot of us like you know we talk about you know the queer diy punk scene 
that existed fully it existed when we were starting to play shows but it wasn't the shows we would get offered and it was more that we kind of moved to that and found our corner of that yeah coming out of other kinds of shows where it just felt like we weren't going to be taken seriously like it was like not like anything like awful like it wasn't like anyone like you know like heckling or anything but it was like this isn't for these guys these guys don't really get what i'm saying here and that's not necessarily anything they've done wrong but like what they want is a big you know like dude with like a plaid shirt on (laughs) and a riff really fast and and like we can do a bit of that like josh is pretty big and he plays pretty fast and he likes plaid shirts so he can fulfill (laughs) that like we we like you know like we got foots in both things but like it was a bit like okay well i feel like these people aren't they're never gonna care about what i'm saying yeah yeah like it's never gonna be and they know that you know yeah and then oh sorry no no you go ahead I was just going to say, so like in terms of kind of, I guess, like as you say, kind of finding that kind of corner in that that scene, like yeah. the one thing that always kind of gets tagged with you is the kind of emo tag in in some senses, and yeah. I, like I don't know, like for me personally, like I I totally get it, but it doesn't fall into emo for me personally, yeah. but like. I don't know, like, the reason I, I, I bring this up is because, like, even though your songs are very, kind of, obviously emotive and heartfelt and kind of heart-on-the-sleeve sort of thing, like, the actual music in some aspects is quite upbeat, and seeing you guys live is kind of a bit of a juxtaposition because it kind of feels a bit like a really emotional party, if that makes yeah. sense. So, like... Is it kind? Of, is it kind of a bit of a, a double-edged sword in some aspects, like having that emo tag put onto you? Right. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I guess for me, emo was always like the sort of celebratory music. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I mean, I think for a lot of people, right? Like, um, like you know, I was you know, me and my friends were the kids at house parties who would like get wasted and like put on a Ruben song and like <laughs> yeah. you know, do the different vocal parts at each other like yelling over it. you can get like you know like let's stop hanging out by Ruben yeah like, yeah like let's stop hanging out yeah like it's great um like so in a way like our shows when they're really good just feel like that right it's like when you're doing that there's an element that you know it's silly you know it's yeah fun. yeah you know like when you're in like some dude's shed with like a WKD and you're screaming like yeah (laughs) Yeah. like there's something very silly about that um so like I always wanted the shows just kind of feel like that because that's always been where I felt most at home was just kind of yelling music at people while I was kind of drunk yeah (laughs) um so yeah and like I guess that was always couched around emo but I think what's kind of cool is in the the time since we started the band the term emo has become more and more freeing yeah but when we started emo meant you sounded like american football or you sound like basement or you sound like moose blood and like all those bands you know like they did what they did but like i never really fuck with any of them yeah that hard. you know like i i, I like a couple of basement songs when they started i was kind of interested in moose blood like and like american football obviously you know have like a killer record but like it was never like me you know it was never like uh, anything other than sort of a costume yeah yeah um so 
but like it's kind of almost grown beyond the idea of emo being the problem because like you know like a band like Creeper uh, emo you know they're yeah. so upfront about it but like you listen to that record it sounds fuck all like American football <laughs> yeah. you know like I mean Lil Peep was an emo he called himself an emo artist and you know like Lil Peep is does not play guitar no. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean I love Lil Peep as well um, like like you know like this whole thing is opening up like the Princess Nokia record from like what was that two years ago now where she started like singing and stuff that was like emo as hell yeah yeah and like you know like a lot of the pop I listen to like the new Taylor Swift album has some bits of like downright Taking Back Sunday style yeah like you know and like there's like that song um um, the Archer, which was like one of the singles of the new Taylor Swift. Honestly, it just sounds like a dashboard song to me. Yeah. Like, so, so it, it's kind of like, on one level, I think, you know, on like the sort of meta level, we're not really an emo band because we do like a bunch of different things and like we're all into a lot of different stuff. And I wouldn't even say that I necessarily know what good new emo bands are. <laughs> yeah. Like, so like, you know, if like, someone wants to talk to me about like who the good labels are I'm probably like run for cover do they still do that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like I wouldn't know um, uh, as far as I understand they've branched out but um, like yeah so it's like it, it's more like I don't really care yeah. what people call it because like in 2019 if the word emo turns you off then like 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 get Instagram dude like like it's cool yeah. Cool yeah. Like, like, yeah. So I, I guess we were lucky. Like, maybe if, maybe if you know, we were branded with like the scar, you know, genre name, or yeah. like the you know, the electro swing genre name, and that was just something I was well into as a kid, and now I was in an electro swing band, then maybe I'd be like, yeah, I really wish that people didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, luckily. Uh, emo was timely, you know? Yeah. When we started, we were on the tail end of Emo Revival, and now the term Emo Revival almost seems like kind of a joke, because it the Emo Revival died, yeah, but, like, the moment it did, there was, like, 20 rappers going, yeah, I'll have that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair yeah, that enough. Yeah, that good for me. And, like, all those guys rule. Like, I love that sound. I'm well into it. I'm into, like... You know, Gothboy, Clay, Wickerface, all that stuff. I yeah. really, like, I, I really appreciate what it's done. Yeah. Um, and, and the influence it's had on the mainstream is very cool. So, like, yeah, it's a really long-winded answer to your question. But like, I think if <laughs> there's any other genre, like, if we come out of that, if we put out "I Am Not Your Fault" and everyone had said this is my favorite post-rock record of the year, then we might have been biting our nails a little bit. Yes. Yeah that scene does its own thing and very much stays within itself yeah and like you can be the biggest post-rock band in the world but like you know godspeed you black emperor already exists i really don't know what i can add to it you know like i feel it's been perfected <laughs> yeah yeah kind of nailed it. um so but luckily with emo it's like this constantly developing thing and it's kind of being turned into a casual word for like young sort of disaffection and 
like it, it feels almost like now it's kind of like this generation's version of like you know like slacker culture in the 90s or something yeah yeah it's this overwhelming thing where it's kind of this semi-detached like apathetic thing but it's not at all ironic yeah it's not at all cynical and there's something about that that is just right on my street i felt like i was almost born like five years too late because i really think if i'd come up when like if i had been 17 when lil peeps come over when you're sober come out then straight up i'd have face tattoos right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's who i would be fair enough <laughs> and, yeah, so we've been lucky and then but like because as i've mentioned sort of like your your live aspect is obviously kind of like got a bit more of an upbeat feel to it despite yeah. like the kind of musical outings and like the reason i wanted to bring that up is because obviously this year you guys played 2000 trees sure. and i remember um standing with a good friend of mine and i believe you you're an acquaintance of his as well um danny randon from the beach oh, and yeah, brew um and him just singing your songs at the top of his lungs sort of thing and i was just sort of like me being stone cold sober next yeah. to him having the time of his life i was like yeah this is a this is just a lovely time so yeah i'm glad you had that so like is i don't know like from your perspective like because obviously the the lyrical content and things like that is obviously quite sort of personal but obviously as I say, there's that fun element to it. So do you, like, with a crowd at, like, 2,000 Trees as well, is it just all about that kind of, like, feeding off that energy and just kind of being a big sort of happy family in that element? Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, like, any artist who tells you that they don't react to the crowd or they don't care about the crowd is obviously lying. Yeah. Right? Like, you do. But also it is helpful to nurture in yourself a feeling that you're at home on stage and that that stage and what's around it doesn't necessarily have to matter and i think that 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 is a good muscle to exercise as an artist to be like well this is where i'm at yeah yeah and people can come and go but the balance is getting that with making sure what you're doing isn't boring yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and like you know like for me it's like i want to always be doing something i want it to be like if you look at me when i'm on stage you're like oh interesting yeah, you know, yeah. i want to i want to even if i'm singing bad i want to hold people's attention but i can't like I, i'm i am like more awkward than i come across so like i kind of like i can't really do like the same thing for very long without right. feeling like weird or awkward so like it kind of became this thing where i was kind of like jumping around a lot and like doing a bit of a dance and then like standing super still for a split second and then like getting on the floor and doing something because i literally just can't like i feel like i'm weird if i do the same thing for too long yeah so I'm yeah kind of like one of the things that i've sort of noticed about my energy when we play live now is that i am trying to find the energy in stillness okay which is something that a lot of hardcore singers are actually really good at i think like there's like you know like patrick kindlin from self-defense and drug church is a really good example i think you know when patrick kindlin you know he's not a tall man he's not a big man but like when he stands still on stage and looks out you like fucking know it yeah it's weird like, i've never kind of him, put that together you know like he's but then but then he'll suddenly be off and he's doing his thing and i think for me when i saw him move like i was already kind of moving that way but when i saw him do it i realized oh that's really cool yeah yeah like, you know you know probably five years ago now um 
but like I've been thinking more about that. But there's something about like because you can't like be constantly running around. Like I'm not. I, I smoke pretty heavily. Um, I'm I'm not the skinniest person in the world. I get overheated very easily. I, <laughs> I, I can't necessarily be running around, but I have that energy in me. And there's nothing more frustrating than wanting to do something and not being able to do it, or wanting to move a certain way and not being able to sing. So now I get to the point where I. I allow myself to be still in such a way that create that that is energetic. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? um, so with 2000 trees, it was just kind of like it almost feels more natural than playing like club shows because it's like there's so fucking many of us, and yeah. it's like and there's you know you know like what you don't see as well is like guitar tech and and like driver and a bunch of friends behind stage and like so it's like you know when we're all like rolling up to play a festival especially there'll be like 15 people in the group yeah just all hanging out backstage like like drinking or smoking or whatever and just like having a good time so like when we go up there i want to feel as much like this is this this is nothing you know this is yeah. just this is just us but of course being on a you know a festival stage gives you so much more energy you know not least of all because you're outside and that's super nice yeah. <laughs> like getting a breath of fresh air going out there and being like oh what a nice day or if it's a bad day that's even better because people need to come in the tent because of the rain yeah. that's yeah. Like, that's how we ended up. We got in a great crowd the first time we played Arc Tangent, and we were just fucking lucky with the rain. Yeah. We prayed. We prayed <laughs> for real. The night before we went on, we we went out. I was like, I don't believe anyone's gonna come see this band. Like we're on fucking early. Like, like I'm gonna have fun anyway. Like I, I don't really care. Like right now, but it would be really good if we had a bunch of people. So I just like, literally prayed for rain in the second song. I was like, if if one song in, it can start raining outside, then we'll fucking nail it. <laughs> because we're warmed up people already know there's a band on and they're like fuck it's raining I'd, I'd listen to anything yeah yeah do this and that's what happened we were very very lucky um so yeah like I mean it's like, like it's what anyone will say it's like you want to put out that energy and you want to like connect with people and I always come off stage and feel like I haven't connected enough you know yeah. I, I, I'm always telling myself that I haven't been there I'm too shy I'm too like I, I can't make eye contact or I can't like I worry about touching people by accident or like knocking someone over if I go down there yeah and, and what some of those great performances have is just no sense of that yeah yeah <laughs> like, you know, if you look at like Iggy Pop or something he's not worried he's gonna knock someone over or like twist his ankle Iggy Pop's just going ham yeah yeah like so like i want to get there but also like years ago i fucked up my knee real bad on stage i tore my acl but oh jumping. shit yeah uh, i had like surgery and shit and that was probably about four or five years ago and um so it was really early in the band's career and it's kind of affected how i move since so like i moved very differently before that that accident yeah now now i'm quite it's that same thing i'm saying it's the energy and stillness as i'm trying to like project the energy that the song is making me feel through my body but i can't fuck myself up you know i'm not like i'm not like you know adam lazara you know climbing up yeah yeah and stuff because frankly that dude i think he just has stronger bones than me (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like and this is another thing is like other like people or kids who are like seeing in bands and stuff are like how do you like know what to do with your hands and shit and it's like i honestly don't it's like 
you, you, you panic about this stuff because you're like, what if I do something weird? And at some point I just decided to do the weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and like, if people don't like it, they don't like it. But if they do, then that's, that's really good news. Yeah. (laughs) And you mentioned when we kind of first started this conversation that you're kind of working on, on solo stuff at the moment as well. So what, can you talk us a bit about that? Like what, what sort of stuff that that's going to be like, is it, Judging from what you've said recently, is it going to be lo-fi hip-hop and you're going to start getting tattoos on your face? Oh, for real, I wish. <laughs> you know, there, there was, actually, there was a, a, a bit of time last year uh, where we were, like, soft talking to, like, talking around quite a big label, and we didn't end up signing with them. But I remember saying to our, our director, Sam, I remember saying to him, like, yo, if we sign to this label... I will probably just get a face tattoo to, to, to show my love for the game. Um, and, and, and like Sam be like, oh, yeah, that sounds sick. And that's why he's a bad friend also, uh, because he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. But um, <laughs> I still might do it. Shit. Um, but, um, yeah, like, it, honestly, it is that kind of shit. Like, there's some stuff that is, like, very, like, sad boy hip-hop kind of feel right. and there's a lot of it that's like i'm really into like 80s pop textures okay so like really like bright sounding synths um so i mean i'm always going to be writing this very upbeat sounding music like some of it you you know you'll recognize you know bits of chord progressions and melodies that sound like i told you i'd eat you because i the sound of chords i like sort of anthemic feel is still there but it's you know course, I'm basically yeah. just trying to make a contemporary pop record okay just like and like i'm not trying to like me being me like i always make it hard for myself so like i still want it to like make sense and have weird things that throw you off and like when i say a contemporary pop record i'm not really talking about like taylor swift necessarily yeah but i really fuck with that and i think about the vocals on those records a lot so like yeah there's a really good cardiff rapper called king khan like all one word all uh capitals um, who uh, we've done a couple of shows with in the past, and I just everything he puts out is just fucking great. Yeah. And it was like I was making music that kind of sounded a bit like that, and I was kind of like dipping my toes in it, like the sort of like sort of like sort of trappy pop kind of thing. And then I heard Khaled King Khan do it, and I was like, oh shit, that's how you fucking do it. <laughs> okay. And I sort of like was like, shit, yeah, no, like. The stuff I'm working on makes sense. Like, it's okay. And, like, me and him, like, message all the time now. Like, um, we've played a few shows with him. I, I really like him. So, um, yeah, I sent him a beat yesterday night that's just, like, very silly, you know? I, I, that's another thing is I just want it to do the silly stuff. It's silly and it's fun. And it's yeah, cheeky. yeah. You know what I mean? And that's something that I love about... Do you know about 100 Gex? No. Uh, okay, you will probably kind of hate it, but that's, that's kind of what it's for. <laughs> okay, um, they're actually opening for Brockhampton at the moment. Like they're they're having a moment. They're getting pretty big. Um, yeah, they um, they kind of sound like you know how like you'll like look up some some pop punk song you remember, and then the first thing that comes up is like Nightcore Remix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're kind of like, imagine if Nightcore Remix was like its own genre. Okay. Like original music in the genre of a Nightcore Remix of an emo song. Okay. <laughs> so it's like this very, very prominent, crass, distorted production. Yeah. yeah. And like really pi- 
weird shifted vocals and like some of the songs have like a scar feel like they're basically leaning into all the least cool things you can do <laughs> at once and just like daring you to like it brilliant <laughs> and yeah so I, I i love that stuff so yeah i mean it, it i mean i'm working on i've got like two tracks produced by a guy called uh, no more will roam um who's uh, raps in a, a group called Was World Problems, who are from South London near where we live. Yeah. So he's producing a couple of tracks for me. I've got like six or seven other tracks, and it's just like, yeah, right now it's just fun pop music. Yeah. Some of it's got like a sort of drum and bass feel, some of it's got like a sort of EDM feel, but then a lot of it kind of feels like sort of lo fi pop, like Cursey Headdress kind of stuff. That's cool. Cool, right, Joey. How I like to to end these little conversations is sure. to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. Okay. So, what's your favourite "I Told You I'd Eat You" song that you like to play live, and why? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so right now it's probably of our current set. It's probably our, our song "Almost Zero. Yeah, because Josh does this like shredding solo in it, and even though I feel awkward and don't know what to do while he does it, it's like a moment where I genuinely like to just stop and listen to what's happening on stage. <laughs> nice. Like, um, but also because we're learning the whole record, like we've not. There are some songs on the record we've never played together. Of course, before. yeah, yeah. So I think it's going to be our song, gathering things together and not dividing them. That one on the sixth when we play our whole album, that one I think will be the most fun. Yeah, because it's just got. I uh, just honestly, I'm allowed to say it, it slaps. <laughs> <laughs> It's my favourite song on the record, I think. Like, yeah, and we've got um, our art director Sam, who uh, makes art and raps and raps under the name Chevy Blazer. He's coming up and he's going to be doing a lot of the yelling. Oh, that's record. cool. So, and his energy is crazy, so it's going to be great. Cool, awesome, Joey. Thank you very much for your time. Really thank appreciate you so much, it, man. It's been a really nice conversation. No, man, it's cool. No, no, it's absolutely fine. And looking forward to to seeing you guys in the future at some point. For sure, man, yeah, anytime. Cool, take it easy. See you, man. Bye. So there we have it, folks. Again, a massive thank you to Joey for taking some time out of their day, or their evening even, to have a little chat with me. Um, as mentioned, uh, I told you already you will be doing Adirism in full at the Moth Club in London. Uh, I think it's December 6th. I will check the date and put the link in the description along with all I told you and eat. I told you I would eat you. I knew I'd fuck it up and it was right at the end. <laughs> um, social media, as usual, they will all be linked in the description. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there will be no show next week because I'll be out on the road with uh, good friends of mine, Punch On and Overo, um, hoping to maybe get a couple of chats whilst I'm on the road. We'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to come say hello, come hang out, I will put the, the tour dates in the description as well, just in case anyone's of interested and wants to say hi. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it for this week. Uh, thank you again, as always, for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.